The scripture this morning is from uh, John 14, 1 through 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, John Ransom is taking a bit of a vacation with Linnea. Um, So this morning we get Ben Alessi, one of our elder candidates. You might know Ben if your child goes to the youth group. Um, Ben does the youth group this on Tuesdays, but Ben gets to bring the word for us this morning, and so this is his second sermon. He preached this morning, first sermon, Um, but it was awesome. God has a good word for us through Ben, and so Ben, bring the word. Thank you, Grant. Uh, Yeah, second sermon, so sorry, guys. That was it. That's the joke. Sorry. Um, But no, uh, before we jump into this, I just want to talk about how I prepared for this a little bit. And uh, over the past couple weeks, thinking about uh, the struggles of getting up in front of people and rightly dividing the Word of God, I don't think that there's any other job out there um, as crucial or as important as this. And so I kept just reminding myself how much my Father in Heaven loves me and how much He believes in me and how much He knows me and that I'm identified not by, by myself but by Him and by through the works of Christ on the cross. And it reminded me of a time um, about three and a half years ago probably six months of, uh, into our Christianity. We were just saved, and I'm putting my son Matthew to bed, and I'm looking at him, and I'm telling him how much the Father loves him and how much Jesus loves him, and he showed that by dying on the cross for him, and, and Matthew's asking me some questions, and it was just really cool trying to teach him the things that I was learning because I felt like it was important. And so I told Matthew that, that God knows you, and he asked me the question, well, how do you know that God knows me? And I, I looked at him and I said, Matthew, he knows every single hair on your head. And then Matthew looked at me and said, well, Dad, you don't have any hair. (laughs) Um, And I told him, don't worry, he still knows me. God is all-powerful, don't worry, we're good to go. 
Um, but yeah, that was my son three and a half years ago. And family, I have that to say to you today is that God knows you. Uh, there's people in this room right now being tormented by the enemy, uh, dealing with things in their lives that are just weighing them down. I pray that when you come here today, uh, you are lifted up by the cross of Christ, that you are lifted up by the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Uh, let's pray. Father God, I give you thanks for who you are. I give you thanks for your son, Jesus, and I give you thanks for your spirit that is dwelling within us right now. Lord, I pray that as we go through your word today in John 14, we can see your works and your words point us to a better tomorrow, a better future, uh, because it's with you. Uh, it's not in ourselves or anything that we do, Lord, but it's all because of you. So Father, put our hearts at ease. Help us clear our minds from anything that may distract us from what you want for us to hear today. Just help us love you with the same love that you have for us. Father, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so before we jump into John 14, we need to remind ourselves where we were with John 13, because the setting is the same, nothing has changed, and we're still, we're still dealing with the same characters. So John 13, Jesus is in the upper room. It's the last Passover of his earthly ministry. This would be his third Passover that he's been a part of. And Jesus, there's some things that, that took place here. Well, first, Jesus, in, in the greatest act of servitude, dropped to his knees, put a towel around his waist, and washed the feet of his disciples. This is something that totally flips what culture says because it should be the other way around. The, the lowest of the lowest slaves of the house are the only ones that wash the feet. Uh, in fact, Peter tries to argue with him, saying, no, you're not going to do it. But then Peter wants to get a whole bath. Um, Jesus says no. And then this is uh, also the part where Judas gets pointed out, right? Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. They're all like, what? Not me. And then Peter tells John, hey, can you ask him what's going on? And then Jesus says, it's who I dip this morsel in and give it to. Uh, that's who's going to betray me. And so Judas leaves. Really, only two disciples know sort of what's going on there. But then more happens. This is where Jesus drops the bomb. Jesus says, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, and none of you are going to come with me. And this is where Peter's pride comes in. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, no, Jesus, you're wrong. I'm going to die for I would die for you, Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter, and, and I could just imagine, right, it doesn't say this, but I imagine just like this, like this sorrowful smirk on his face of, no. No, no, Peter, you won't. No, Jesus, you don't understand. I'm going to die for you. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, Peter, you're going to crumble like a house of cards because you're going to deny me three times. Right? So that's where we are. We're still in the upper room. Here we are, John 14. And our big idea for today is that Jesus works on our behalf to build our forever home, to bring us and keep us in the family, and to make us like the Father. And we're going to see that through these, these passages that we're going to divide up. So we're going to divide them up into three different areas. Uh, verses 1 through 4, we'll look at it and we'll say that that's the apartments in the sky. This is going to be the promise of something that Jesus is going to prepare for us. Then we're going to see the reverse bouncer where Jesus sort of takes what we understand as a bouncer in our world and he flips it upside down. And we see something truly amazing there. And then... Uh, Verses 10 through 14, we're going to label that as the apple does not fall far from the tree because Christ is like the Father and the Father is like Christ. And as a new creation, we get to be the same way. 
Uh, but before we jump into apartments in the sky, I want everyone in here to close your eyes. And the cool thing is you're wearing masks. I can't see if your mouths are open, but I can see if your eyes are open. So close your eyes and just follow along with me. Now, there's some people in this room that are in the military. There's some people in this room that are contractors or just overseas as missionaries. Um, but we all have a, a common goal in place, and that might be our forever home, right, where we plan on retiring. I, re I want to retire to South Carolina. And in my mind, I have this big plot of land. It's about two to three acres. Uh, it's got a house on this land, right? There's a couple trees. There's a pond that's stocked with largemouth and smallmouth bass. It's perfect. And then I go into my house, and it's the floors that I want. Now imagine what you want. Imagine your forever home where you want to grow your roots. Imagine where you want to be when you either punch the button at 20 years or you retire and you go home. It doesn't matter. Just imagine this perfect place in your mind. Right? It's got the double door, stainless steel, no fingerprint fridge. It's got the cabinet colors that you want. It's beautiful. It's perfect. And it's a good gift from the Father. All right, open your eyes. Hold on, hold on to that image in your head. Hold on to it until we get towards the end of this passage. Um, because I think God shows us a, a better, more beautiful picture of what our forever home is supposed to be like. So to start this off, Let's go to John 1, uh, 14, 1 through 4. Let me read it for you again. It's going to be on the screen as well. Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus starts this, right? John the Apostle starts this right now, chapter 14, with Jesus comforting his disciples. And we really need to try to understand why is he comforting his disciples, right? Well, let's go back to chapter 13, what just took place. The biggest event that took place is Jesus said he's leaving them. Jesus said that he is no longer going to be with them and that he is going to be where they cannot be. He is leaving and they cannot join him. But we really need to understand what's been going on for the past three years of their lives. Uh, they were students of the Most High God, right? They probably don't recognize it and realize it all the way because we could tell by Philip and Thomas's questions in this passage. But they've been witness to miracles. People being restored sight has never been seen before. Right? People restored, being brought back from the dead, Lazarus from the tomb. They've heard teachings that no one has ever taught like before. These teachings that are perfect and that the scribes and the Pharisees can't even come up against. Guys, Jesus is a teacher unlike any other teacher. But the, the thing that differentiates teachers today and teachers back then and students today and students back then is they lived life with him for three years. No matter where they went, no matter where Christ went, Jesus was teaching, and they were soaking it all up. Everything was a lesson. They're walking down the road, and they're, they're grabbing some grain to eat on the Sabbath. That's a lesson that they were getting taught, right? People that lived, or people that were being taught by rabbis or their masters or their teachers back in ancient Judaism lived their lives with him. But we need to remember that Jesus isn't just a normal teacher. He's the son of God, and he showed them that in all his lessons, so when Jesus sits there and he says, I'm leaving you, they're shook, right? For me, I'm, I'm in online school. There's probably some other people taking college in here, right? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, but for me, I have to do 300 word count discussion posts every Thursday. It has to be turned in, and then Sunday I get a grade. 
the, the interaction that I have with my teacher, my rabbi, my master, I wouldn't really call him that, um, is great work, Ben, on Sunday, right? They write those three words in, great work, here's 100. Great work, here's 100. And that's the interaction we have today. So when Jesus says to his students 2,000 years ago, I'm leaving and you cannot come, they're, they're physically shook. They don't know what to do. And that's a problem. But even though Jesus tells them that he's leaving, he tells them that he's going to be serving them. Because where he's going, he's not going for a vacation. He's not going to the next town. He's not going to get 12 more, right? What he's doing is he's going to prepare a place for him. And it's a beautiful place. It's a place that we could not even imagine, that the Bible tries to describe to us, and we don't even know how to understand those passages. Because it's in a world unlike any other. It's heaven. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us in heaven. And it's beautiful. So Jesus, the greatest servant of all, tells them that he's going to prepare heaven, and when he leaves, he's going to be serving them. And we know that we can flash forward a little bit, but Jesus isn't going to leave them on their own, right? Jesus promises the Spirit, but there's something else that he promises us in this passage, that he promises the 11 in the room, and that he promises us today, is that he returns. Let's put this on the screen, verses 14, uh, or chapter 14, verse 3. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be, or you may be also. Guys, they're not going to be on their own. When he leaves, the Spirit comes. When he comes back, he is going to take them. This is another beautiful promise that Christ gives them and gives us today, is that we're not doing this on our own, that we don't need to try to find the way to these rooms or these apartments in the sky because Jesus has prepared them for us and Jesus is the one who's going to take us there himself. It's a beautiful story for us. I don't know about anyone else in this room, but I have to use GPS everywhere on this island. Literally, thank you for shaking your head, yes. Everywhere on this island, if I've been to your house five times, know that I got there. Darren, you live in the same circle as me, GPS, <laughs> right? But the problem is my GPS, it tells me to take a left and I'm still going and I, and I miss a turn. I have someone in my back seat, my beautiful son Matthew, maybe you know, talking a little bit too loud and I'm not paying attention to my GPS. Guys, I get lost using these special tools to help me find the way to my destination. I get completely lost and I don't know what to do. And I gotta like, oh, stop, do a U-turn, find my way to where I'm going. Jesus promises right here, you don't need directions. You don't need a napkin with anything written on it. You don't need a GPS. What you need is Christ. What you need is Jesus. What we need to do is believe that he is who he says he is. Guys, that takes a lot of weight off my shoulders because I fail to find simple directions on earth. There's no way I'm going to be able to find heaven on my own. No way I'm going to be able to find it on my own. And it's a beautiful message that he gives us. Also, we see in uh, Peter's first letter, we're told that Christ will bring us to God. Our flesh will be put to death. Our old selves will be put to death and will be made alive in the spirit. Guys, the common denominator and me not getting to point A to point B here on Okinawa is me. The common denominator for us to be with Christ in heaven is the Spirit, which is a promise that he gives us. And we see it in 1 Peter. The cool thing about this is that Jesus isn't just talking to the 11 that are still there. Jesus is talking to everyone in this room. Jesus is talking to everyone who puts their faith in Christ. And we'll talk a little bit later on what that truly means. What does it mean to believe, to believe in Jesus? Um, because it's important. But it says that he's leaving, and we need to understand how he's leaving. 
Like I said, he's not going to the next town. He's not getting another 12. He's going to the cross. The cross is so important for us to know and to understand that it's only through the cross will we have a way to be with the Father. And, and later on in this passage, we'll see what Jesus means by, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except, or no one comes to the Father except through me. It's through this cross that we get to be in eternal happiness, eternal bliss with our Father. And that kingdom that Jesus ushers in starts 2,000 years ago. It started 2,000 years ago, and it's going to be come to fulfillment when he comes again. Because remember, he says he's going to return. He's returning for the 11, and he's returning for us. He's returning for all those who put their faith in Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, I've been in the Air Force for just about, actually, 16 years as of last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, right? So 16 years last Tuesday. Um, all right, so I had in my notes, if no one claps, if there's any Marines in here, that's... Yeah, yeah. That many crayons, so 15, six, yep, 16 crayons. Hey, John told me to put the joke in there. It's not on me. Okay, yeah, hash marks with crayon. Okay. Uh, but no, guys, I've been in the Air Force for 16 years, and it's a beautiful gift of the Father uh, that has blessed me with my time in the military and the different locations that I've been to, and I wouldn't have changed anything in the world. But I think of what you thought of in the beginning all the time. I think about my retirement. I think about hitting that button at 20 years and just saying to myself, this is going to be awesome. And it will be because it's a good gift from the Father. But then I forget about the gift giver. I look at the gift and I say, this is the most amazing thing in the world. And I put blinders on to the gift giver. Guys, there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a place that you want to retire to or you want to live with your family or you want to put down roots because you're tired of moving. There's nothing wrong with that. Allow that to be a foretaste of what Jesus promises here. These rooms, these apartments in the sky is a beautiful place that only Christ can prepare for you and that only Christ can bring you to. So allow us to be happy and excited. Hey, I'm going to retire in four years and I'm going to buy a house. It's going to have a pond. It's going to have bass in it and I'm going to go fishing. But don't forget... <coughs> Don't think about that more than what you would think about for your eternal home, your apartment in the sky. We're moving on up, guys. And it's a deluxe apartment in the sky, and it's a beautiful place. So remember that as you think about your retirement. Remember that as you think about the next steps in your life is don't forget about your forever home. Don't get it backwards. Then I was going to make a joke about people that live in California, but I won't. Um, so if, you're, if your forever home is in California, it's a bad place. You should choose somewhere else. <laughs> and then I said, yeah, definitely not New York either. So um, I'm from New York, so I can say those things. But anyways, guys, our earthly forever home is not a bad thing, but allow that to be pointed to where Christ has prepared for you. And know that it is, it is a blessing beyond all measure and that we have nothing to do with creating it. We have nothing to do with going there. Christ will come and take you. That takes so much weight off our, soul, our shoulders, and it's a beautiful thing. So moving down, we see Thomas ask this question, and, and Thomas and Philip, you know, Thomas has the nickname of Doubting Thomas later on. We, we understand why, but, but Thomas asks Philip, or no, Thomas asks Jesus, sorry. He's like, how do we get there? And Jesus I just told you, I'm the, I'm the way. Well, he didn't tell you yet, but this is what he says. But before that, 
Let's talk about how Jesus, how I can label him as a reverse bouncer. Today, when you want to get into a club or you want to get into a special event or a nightclub that doesn't serve alcohol, right? You guys can, don't worry about that. No one wants to do that stuff in here. I know. Uh, but you have to go through someone. You have to go through a doorman. You have to go through a bouncer. You have to go through someone. You either have to buy a ticket. You have to, you know, give them a ticket. You either have to have good looks. You have to have Instagram followers. Am I going to be a benefit to your club if you let me in, right? Because then all, everyone else will come. Or, you know, do I drive a fancy car? You know, the world today will tell you that you're identified by your things. And you're identified by your looks or you're identified by anything on the outside. But it's truly not. You're identified by what's on the inside. And that bouncer, too, like that bouncer, once you make a mistake on the inside, once you're inside the place you wanted to get into, you, you mess up, you're out, and you're on the list. You're not coming back in. Jesus takes that, and he flips it. And we'll see that it's only through Christ that you're in to the place of heaven, that you're in the family of God. And guys, you make a mistake, he's not kicking you out, because that's where his love, his grace, and his mercy comes into play. And that's another beautiful gift, and it points us to the love of the Father. So let's read John 14, 6 through 7. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now remember, Jesus is responding to Thomas here because he doesn't know how to get there. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And, and how we could really read this is, is Jesus saying, I am the only way to true life. Nowhere else is there a possibility for you to get true life. It's not through your identity in anything else other than your identity in me. But guys, let's, let's remember that what Jesus is saying right here to his disciples could, could be a little confusing. We have something in front of us, the revealed word of God, and I have a better understanding of what is going on in this room than they did at that time because they're confused. Jesus is telling them he's leaving. They're like, why? We don't understand this. Jesus is telling them that I am the way to this, to this eternal life, to these rooms that I'm preparing for you, and they're confused. But why is Jesus the only way? Why aren't there other ways? Why don't they make it easier? Why isn't Jesus, why isn't God, why doesn't the Spirit just make it easier for us? Well, the funny news is, fam, is that it is easier for us. Why is he the only way? Well, God's perfectly holy. Who in here hasn't sinned? Go ahead, raise your hand. Right? Who in here has been sinless for their entire life? Go ahead, raise your hand. No one can raise their hand. Let's think back to Exodus, where God shows himself to Moses for the first time through the burning bush. What does God tell him to do? Take your shoes off, dog. This is holy ground. Your, your dirty sandals don't belong here. Family, we are the same as Moses' dirty sandals. We are filled with sin. We are dirty from our sin, and there's no way we could be in the presence of a holy God. No way. And it's only through Christ Jesus. Remember, he uses that word specifically. No one comes to the Father except through me. This isn't like a football term where, you know, the linebacker is going to go through the line and get the, the QB. No, this is Jesus saying that his death is going to be substitutionary for everyone in this room, for those 11 in that room. And it's only through his death will you be made clean. And only through his death will you be made righteous. To be in the Father's presence, you must be perfect. And we cannot be perfect in and of ourselves. 
no one can. And, and that might sound sad. That might sound tragic. And if you leave it just at that and you don't look into it anymore, it probably, it probably does sound that way. But family, that's a beautiful picture knowing that God had a plan from the very beginning to reunite you into his family. And it doesn't come down to anything that you do, anything you say. It comes down to Christ. It comes down to him taking his place on the cross, which in all reality is our place. Let's go to Romans 6 so we can understand what our sin actually brings us. Here Paul tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Family, the things that we choose to go against God, I mean, today's catechism, what is sin? That puts us as enemies with God. That puts us against our Father, our loving Father. And how much does he love us? Well, he loves us enough to send us to die on our behalf, to take our place on the cross. It's a beautiful gift. God no longer looks down at me and says, Ben, you are disgusting and dirty, and I don't want you. God looks down on me and says, Ben, I mean, Jesus, I can't tell because you put on his righteousness. You are no longer covered by your sin. You are no longer covered by your dirty garments because Jesus put his righteousness on me. Family, that is the same for all of you here. God looks at you, no longer sees the old you, but sees the new you because you have put on Christ. You have put on his righteousness, and it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift. When we show up to Jesus, we bring nothing. Our pockets are empty. Instagram followers don't exist. Jesus doesn't weigh us by the way the secular world would weigh you. What Jesus looks at is your faith. The only works that we're called to do is to believe. Believe in what? Well, we're called to believe in Jesus. Jesus looks into our eyes when we approach that door, hypothetical door. Jesus looks into our eyes after you tell him you have nothing. And he says, good, awesome. Because if you tried bringing something, it wouldn't count. If you tried bringing your good works, if you tried bringing your good words, if you tried bringing good anything, it's not good enough. What I did is what you needed. And that's all you'll ever need. Jesus is the reverse bouncer. We don't bring a ticket. We don't bring money. We don't bring Instagram. We don't bring anything, guys. What we bring is our faith. What we bring is our belief. Jesus welcomes, welcomes us into the family with open arms, and guess what? Like, he'll, he'll never kick us out. I can't mess up enough for him to kick me out. What a promise. What an absolute beautiful promise is to know that I'm still going to make mistakes. But his grace, his mercy, the blood that he spilled for me covers yesterday, covers today. It's going to cover tomorrow. Just because we come to Christ doesn't make us sinless. We're going to need Christ, Jesus, every single day of our lives. Jesus is our reverse bouncer. He'll always keep us secure. Now, for those of you that have not yet put your faith in Jesus, for those of you who don't know who Jesus is, I'm so glad that you're here 
Because the news that we're talking about today, the passage that we're talking about today is good news. In fact, it's, it's great news. This takes all the pressure off your shoulders. This takes everything off of you and it puts it onto Christ. And specifically, it puts it on the cross of Christ. If you have yet to know who Jesus is, take rest. Take rest and know that you have nothing to prove, that you have nothing to do, that Jesus did it all. All you need to do is believe. I pray that you find rest for your soul today. So we had Thomas originally asking a question, I don't know the way, Jesus. And then we have Philip jumping into the passage because he wants to see the Father. And I, I just imagine Jesus looking at Philip like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You want to see the Father? You, where have you been for three years, Philip? It's the same thing as Jesus feeding the 5,000. And then right after that, people are like, show us a miracle. What do you mean, show us a miracle? What have you been witness to? You get mad that I, I heal someone that's blind on the Sabbath. That's a miracle. Like, these things are happening right in front of you. And that's when Jesus was talking to the priests and the Sadducees and the scribes. But here, Jesus is talking just to his 11, his close compadre, compadres that he's had for the past three years. And he says, you've been with me for how long? And you don't know. You really don't know. You've been with me. You've seen the Father if you've been with me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he tells them that. Because they were close to Jesus, the entire time they were close to the Father. Let's read uh, 10 through 14. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. What have you asked in my name? This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Once again, Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is within each other. Or Jesus is within the Father, and the Father is within Christ. The works that Jesus has performed are the works that, that are from the Father. Jesus is like the apple falling far from the tree, or not falling far from the tree, is just like the Father. You see Christ, you see the Father. Fam, we are just like our parents. We are the apple falling far from the, the parent tree, and when you grow up, you come to realize that, okay, I'm sort of like my mom. I'm sort of like my dad. My mom is sensitive. After this, I'm going to cry for a half hour. My dad is intelligent. I pretend that I'm intelligent quite often, right? So we all are similar in, in ways where we are just like our parents. Guys, but when Jesus goes to the cross and we become a new creation, we become a new apple. We have a new tree in our life. The tree that we now fall from is, is God. It's Christ's righteousness. And because Jesus puts that on and we wear that, when God sees us, he sees his son. Now there's a, there's a portion in here where it talks about the works that I do. The works that Jesus does is the entirety of his earthly ministry. This is him healing people. This is him praying with people. This is him serving others. This is him teaching Right? It's the totality of everything Christ did on earth for the past three years is what Jesus says those who believe in me will do. 
ouch, I haven't been living my life thinking that. I have not been doing that. But Jesus says those who believe me will not only just do those, but they'll do greater works. And originally digging into this, I was like, well, I've heard the geography thing, that there's more Christians than there are Jesus. So obviously, geographically speaking, we're going to do greater works than Jesus because there's more of us. But there's really no geographical connotations in this text. There's a key phrase here, and I missed it the first couple times. In verse 12, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I am going to the Father. Guys, Jesus' mission on earth for the past three years with the disciples has been the tip of the iceberg. They had no idea what was underneath the water. They had no idea what was about to sink their Titanic. Guys, the crux of his mission is the cross. And it's only because he's going to the Father that anyone could do anything greater. Imagine if Jesus, if this happened today and Jesus was walking around and we could preach, we could preach what? That Jesus is good, that Jesus is the Messiah, but he didn't, he didn't die yet for our sins. He, he didn't give us a way into heaven. Jesus needed to die on the cross in order for us to preach the good news of his resurrection, of his glorification, and of his ascension. Because Jesus is in heaven right now praying for every single one in this room, for all believers in this earth. But the only way that that could happen is if Jesus actually took on the cross. So Jesus had to leave in order for us to do any greater works. But family, we are called to do those works. We are called to serve like Christ. We are called to love like Christ. Everything he did, we're called to do the same thing. Now, what this, this doesn't mean is that we're not going to walk on water. We're not going to raise people from the dead. Miracles might happen, but it's not through any power in and of ourselves. Remember, these are God's works through Christ. Put your faith in Christ. Live your life like you can do the same works, greater works than what Christ did. Guys, this is the good news of the gospel, right? It's a free gift. You don't earn it. You don't do anything for it. Jesus looks at you and says, you have nothing to offer me, nothing at all. And I'm glad because I'm worthless in and of myself. But with Christ, with God, with the Spirit, I'm worth so much more than I ever could be on my own. Allow Jesus to be your hum hum humble servant to guide you into what our life should look like today. This isn't a to-do list. There's nothing to write down, no check marks, no check boxes. Believe in Christ. That's it. Believe in Christ and your life will be different. Believe in Christ and you will do greater works than he did. Believe that he has created a home for you forever, an eternal home, these apartments in the sky, this beautiful place. That picture that you had, it's nothing in comparison. What Jesus offers you is eternal life, free gift. Why did Jesus have to die in our place? What happened in the very beginning? God created man and called it very good. But then Satan entered the picture. What we see here is Jesus fulfilling Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15, we have God the Father talking to Satan. And he says, to his face, God gives him his eulogy. And he says, you will be crushed. You'll be crushed. And Satan has no idea. 
No idea what's going on, no idea what he means, no idea when it's going to happen. But Jesus, thousands of years later, thousands of years later, comes into the picture, and he is God's plan A. He is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. So what do we need to do? Well, the only works that you need to do is believe, family. Believe in Christ. Believe that he is who he says he is. Let's, let's believe these. Let's believe the I am statements. Believe that he is the bread of life. Believe that he is the light of the world. Believe that he's the door. Believe that he is the good shepherd. Believe that he is the resurrection and the life. Believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And believe that he is the true vine. Pillar, what would your life, what would our life look like today if we fully believed? What would our life look like today if we believed that he truly is preparing a place for us? What would our life look like today if we knew that Jesus was the only way and we didn't have any pressure on ourselves? What would our lives look like today if we knew that we could do greater works than Christ? My life would be completely different. I pray that, yours life, that your life would be completely different as well. Let's pray. Father God, I want to give you thanks, Lord, for your spirit. I want to give you thanks, Lord, for your son, Jesus. And just thank you for your plan, the plan that you've had all along that's not dependent on me or anyone here because we would fail at fulfilling that plan. Lord, help us believe. Help us truly believe in your son, Jesus, that he is the only way to true life. Help us believe that you have prepared rooms for us. You've thought of us with great intention and detail. You have thought of us, Lord. Father, help us believe that Jesus is the only way, that we don't need to find anything else, that it's only through Christ that we could be in communion and family with the Father. And Lord, help us believe that we are truly able to do greater things than Jesus, greater works, Help us know and understand what that means. Father God, we give you thanks and we praise you for your mercy and for your kindness and for your truth and for your gentleness. In your son's holy name we pray, amen.